Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Stephanie Esser on with us. She is a 200-hour yoga teacher, certified breathing coach, founder of Balancing Elephants, and the creator of the Bee Buddy Breathing Pillow. So welcome to the show today, Stephanie. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So I would love to get to know you a little bit more and um, you know how you kind of got started in this space and how breath work kind of came into play, and in particular, working with kiddos. Yes. Uh, well, thank you. I, I, my, um, past, I was an elementary school teacher. And so I, um, have that lens of just, uh, seeing the needs of, of children in the classroom. And I have two children or four children of my own. I have two older stepchildren and two, um, children. My son's going to be a senior in high school. So I'm coming to the tail end of, um, of raising my children. And I just, I've seen the need for, um, tools to help kids navigate stress and anxiety. It seems like there's a lot of, a lot of that going around in this, in this day and age. And, um, I became a yoga practitioner and that kind of lit the, um, my interest to become, learn a little bit more about yoga. And I became certified in um, teaching yoga and I decided to, uh, put my two, um, passions together because I, I saw the the benefit and the um tools that yoga brings uh breathing movement uh, mindfulness and i thought it would be a really great tool for the classroom so i became certified in yoga calm which is a social emotional learning curriculum that is um based on yoga based movement um mindfulness relaxation uh breathing and to help teachers bring these into the classroom then I, uh, bringing that into the classroom was, was really eye-opening and I thought it was transformative to, especially with kids that maybe come, came from, um, environments that didn't find, didn't have a lot of quiet or stillness. Um, and in that process, I saw the need for more tools to teach these practices. And that's when I developed my, my product, because when we teach breathing, you start usually when the kids are with their, with them on their back. And, um, I would, I started out in a kindergarten classroom, plopping little beanie babies on the kids' bellies and, you know, teach them an expansive inhale, let their bellies rise, give your body a ride up high to the sky. And then when you exhale, let it come down. Well, ultimately those beanie babies, some of them weren't, um, uh, shaped in a, in a way that they would stay on their bellies and they would roll off and I, and then you lose, you lose the class then. So I thought, gosh, I wish I had something a little bit more weighted to give them that more of that tactile feedback. And that's what inspired my breathing pillow. And I, I, uh, so I developed this breathing pillow, which is a multi-sensory it's filled with flax and dried lavender. Um, lavender is typically a calming scent for, um, anybody. And then that it's, it's weighted so that you, you feel the, your belly pushing up high to the sky, giving them that sense of, um, expanse expansion on the inhale. It's also can be used as an eye pillow. Um, that's to, to help kids feel calm and still and give their bodies and minds a rest. And I also use it as a posture, posture prop, um, to help them feel, you know, get their bodies ready for a nice, healthy breath. So I, um, decided to really focus on breath work because if there's one tool out of all those tools, it's breathing because, and it's something that we all do, obviously, uh, we it's inclusive, it's accessible anytime, anywhere. 
and it it works. It's literally our uh, direct, I call it the remote control of the brain. So it's our breath, our brain, and our nervous system are all connected. And even though we breathe automatically, it is a tool that we can use and uh, breathe on purpose to elicit, uh, you know, an emotional state. So if we're feeling stressed, our breathing will show that. But the good news is it's goes both ways. So we can actually use our breathing to calm and to feel, to shift from a stress state to a calm state. And that's, uh, I call it a superpower that I am passionate about sharing with children. And really, actually, I start by sharing it with the adults in their lives because it starts, kids are sponges and they will adopt um, patterns that their teachers or parents demonstrate. So I teach them first and then help them teach it to their children. I love that. And I mean, I'm, I love breath work and bringing that into yoga practices and, you know, people usually are like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you took the time there. Cause sometimes, you know, teachers don't always have time in an hour class to squeeze in breath work. Um, but I would love to start kind of with that. Cause I think a lot of us, I know I was guilty of this. I was breathing backwards for years and years and years. And I know you had just said a little bit about um, the proper way to breathe, but if someone's maybe like well, what is, you know, is it inhale, expand, exhale, contract? What is the right way? So can you kind of break down, like, how should we be breathing? And should we be breathing in our chest? What should that kind of look like? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So what I specialize in is mechanics of breathing and the psychology of breathing. So what you're asking is, how should we be breathing? That's the mechanics, which is basically the muscles you're using when you breathe. When you inhale, and I, I don't I don't say breathe in a lot because I feel like that cue can get misconstrued. Um, people think breathe in, belly in, and that's the opposite. So back to what your point is on uh, when you said that you notice that when you inhale, your belly goes in towards your spine. That is the opposite of what should be happening. And that quite literally um, cuts off the diaphragm from doing its job. And our diaphragm should do 80 to 90% of the work on the inhale. And a lot of people are not utilizing that. Um, we're always breathing with our diaphragm, but most people have weak or out of shape diaphragms. So when you inhale, what should happen, and I usually, um, I know that listeners can't see my hands right now, but I usually um, demonstrate using like my hands and I'll, I'll put my fingers together and underneath your, your ribs. And when you inhale, your, your diaphragm should contract and lower, and that actually pulls your ribs out a little bit and making your lungs bigger. So you feel the bottom part of your lungs. If you inhale and your belly goes in, that basically cuts off that path. So it doesn't allow the diaphragm to descend and pull the ribs down, or I'm sorry, pull the ribs out, making the lungs larger. We want to fill up the bottom part of our lungs, which is, which are actually is in the back of your body. So it's about four inches above your waistline. The, on your back is where the largest, most oxygen dense part of your lungs are. That's where we want to really conceptualize filling is down there. A lot of people de uh, develop habitual stressed breathing patterns, which um, looks like upper chest breathing. So can we do a little, a little um, uh, experiment or, or observation real quick? Okay. Yeah. So to, to determine if you're a, um, a vertical breather or upper chest breather, Place one hand on your chest and one hand on your belly and just sit up nice and tall. And when you inhale, notice which hand is moving. Notice where you feel the movement. If, it, if it's in your upper hand or your lower hand, or maybe neither, or maybe both. 
So just notice which hand is moving when you inhale. And continue just inhale and exhale naturally how you normally would breathe. And notice when you inhale, which hand, where do you feel more movement? Another thing to pay attention to or notice is when you inhale, do you feel like you get a little taller? Or do you feel like you get wider? Or do you not maybe feel any movement? So this is really where it starts, is noticing where that movement is happening. Now, if you felt your upper hand moving, that's telling that that's usually indicates that you're using your accessory breathing muscles, your backup breathing muscles, and not your not your primary breathing muscle, your diaphragm and your inter, your inner your external intercostals on the inhale. And what that means is you're only filling up the top part of your lungs, which is only about 30% of your lung capacity. So you're really getting less oxygen with each breath. It's very inefficient. It actually increases stress. So what the goal is, is we want to get that breathing down low. And people say, oh, breathe into your belly. Well, that's a cue I don't like because you don't breathe into your belly. <laughs> you breathe into your lungs. The air goes into your lungs. But what happens is when you're breathing low and slow, your diet, if your diaphragm is working optimally, it that how we talked about how your diaphragm lowers, pulls your ribcage apart, and that that lowering literally presses down on all your digestive organs, which is what makes your belly pop out. So that's why it's called a belly breath because that's where we want, where we want to see that movement happening. But what's happening is your diaphragm is pushing on your visceral organs, which actually gives it a, a little massage. So when you, if you think about somebody that has digestive issues, um, diaphragmatic breathing is an excellent place to start because that movement should be happening 20 to 25,000 times a day which is how, how many breaths we take in a day. And when you think about that natural, um, that natural massage that your, your digestive organs get is simply by just breathing properly. So that is what makes that, that's what appears to make it look like the air is going into the belly, but really the air is going into the lower part of your lungs. And that is an efficient, optimal breath. Um, so also if you're looking at when you're, breathing and your hand is on your chest and your hand is on your belly. When you inhale, if you notice that your belly goes in towards your spine on the inhale, that is again, a, a dysfunctional breathing pattern that can be very damaging because it again, doesn't, it, it takes the, it, it cuts off the, the path of the diaphragm. And that is a very common breathing pattern that's developed um, because of stress. When you think about when something scares you or startles you, what happens to your breathing <gasps> when you gasp, right? When you gasp, try, if, if you're a listener right now, give it a try, gasp, and notice what happens to your breathing. It goes up high, your belly goes in, your breathing halts, and it's usually through your mouth. All of those are signs of stressed breathing. And what, what can easily happen in this modern world is we can get stuck in those habitual stressed breathing patterns without even realizing it. And that just starts this kind of this cycle, this breathing stress cycle. And so the first step is really awareness, noticing where you're, where you're breathing, where you're, where the movement is happening when you're breathing. Are you breathing through your nose, or your mouth? Your mouth is going to be a more, it's going to shift you more into a stress state. Breathing in and out of your nose is going to 
it, there's a lot of benefits of breathing through your nose, which we could get into if you wanted to, but that's really the ideal state. That's going to also um, make the diaphragm work a little harder because it adds that natural resistance. Um, breathing and out, breathing, uh, breath holding is another habitual stressed breathing pattern. Um, people that uh, maybe are, are fearful, um, we, we tend to hold our breath. Um, there's actually a term nowadays that uh, it's become so common in our modern world that there's a term called email apnea. And that is where an apnea is when you stop, you stop breathing, you, you hold your breath. People, and, and this is another challenge I give to your listeners, is when you're on your computer or on your phone, notice when you open up an important email, maybe from your boss or from something that you're um, anxious about reading, notice what happens to your breath. It's, we, 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 it's very common for us to hold it when we're about to open up something important. In fact, um, yeah, so email apnea is just, it's, it's a common phrase because many of us do that. And when, so when I catch myself, I do, I catch myself all the time holding my breath. I'll stop and I'll take three low and slow, mindful belly breaths, mindful diaphragmatic breaths, because I feel like I'm just going to try to interrupt that interrupt that pattern um, that that is without awareness so easy to get stuck in. Okay. There are so many nuggets in there and that's where um, like, I'm just reminded. So I didn't really realize I was breathing backwards until I was pregnant with my son, you know, six years ago, seven years ago. And I remember it, you know, I was going through my first yoga teacher training at the time and they were like, Oh, you should be breathing, you know, inhale, feel your belly expand. But, and I think there's probably a lot of, you know, younger females, what did we do in high school, middle school? We sucked our bellies in the whole time. So then breathing was not, my breath was not going down there. And what did I deal with for many years? Constipation. And then I'm like, that just makes so much sense because now I'm like, okay, if I feel constipated, I know if I do some deep belly breaths that will usually help circulate and get things moving again. And so all of that just ties together and why it's important to teach kids. Cause I think if I would have known this, especially cause I was, I was an athlete, why didn't someone right. teach me the proper way to breathe? Like I could have had better efficiency, you know, on the basketball court, on the tennis court, all of those things, but nobody, nobody, you know, paused to teach that. So I really appreciate that you're, you know, informing kids about this just so they can learn at a young age and utilize these tools. Um, so with that, you had just mentioned about breathing in through the nose versus the mouth. Can you tap a little bit more into that and tell people why we want to breathe in through the nose versus the mouth? I will, I would love to, it's one of my favorite topics. Okay, so let me ask you this. Let me put it this way. Would you, if you had two containers or two um, containers of air entering your lungs, would you like that air to be cold, unfiltered, and dry? Or would you like it to be warm, moist, and clean? Yes, warm, moist, right. and clean. <laughs> warm, moist, and clean. That's what your nose does. So your nose filters humidifies and and uh, warms the air before it enters the lungs. It's an amazing, so all your sinuses do amazing things. Um, your, your nose hair is actually, the, that's a filter. Um, alternatively, when you're in it also, as I mentioned earlier, your, your nose, when you nasal breathe, you produce a gas called nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator. It's also antifungal, antibacterial. It's this, it, it's this amazing gas that you only produce by inhaling through your nose. Alternatively, when you breathe in and out of your mouth, um, not only does it 
not filter warm or um, humidify the air before entering the lungs. You get that cold, dry, dirty air. <laughs> to me, that's a reason in itself to breathe through your nose. Um, but it does not produce that amazing gas called nitric oxide. It also does not uh, recruit the diaphragm muscle because it, there's less resistance. So it doesn't strengthen your diaphragm. Um, and it, people that mouth breathe, also children during their formative years, it can quite literally change the shape of their face. So when you mouth breathing, so tongue, tongue placement is, a, is an important element in proper breathing as well. And proper tongue placement, it does not happen when you mouth breathe because it, it, the, if your tongue is in the right spot, you can't really mouth breathe, um, which like I mentioned, can cause oral, um, oral issues with children and literally change the shape of their face. Your face becomes longer and it can um, actually increase your chances of having needing um, orthodontia work down the road. So lots of reasons to breathe through your nose, um, but to get back to the tongue placement, where you want your tongue in a, a proper, proper breathing <laughs> is if you say the letter N, like in, um, I'm trying to think of a word that starts with N, um, nectarine, right? So N, where your tongue lot like falls and so it's on the behind your front teeth, gently at the roof of your mouth. Your teeth should not be touching, but, but almost. So that is the proper tongue and your placement of your teeth when you're breathing um, optimally and through your nose. So that's 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 the that's the nuts and bolts of nasal breathing versus mouth breathing. And most of the time you should be breathing through your nose. Obviously right now I'm speaking, so I'm not breathing through my nose. Um, so if you work in a, in, a, in a profession where you're talking a lot, um, I used to be a teacher that requires a lot of talking. At the end of the day, I now know why I was so exhausted. It wasn't because my physical exertion, it was because of the speaking. So if you work in a profession where you do a lot of talking, that you are, it would be really helpful to when you aren't talking to really ensure that your mouth is closed and that you're breathing low and slow, slowing your breath, um, breathing in and out of your nose. That's going to help you uh, because what happens is you expel a lot of carbon dioxide and you're, um, we won't get into the biochemistry of breathing, but essentially that's, that's what exhausts you is your, your, um, your, your oxygen and carbon dioxide balance gets out of, out of balance and that's draining and exhausting on your body and, and your mind. So, um, really making a conscious effort to stop and do some diaphragmatic breathing throughout your day when you're not having to be actively speaking is a, is a great tool, a great, um, a great practice to help just feel less drained. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I'm like, Oh, Ayurvedically. I'm like, this is why they like silence and stillness and throwing that into your day. So I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. That's the reason behind it. Um, I would love to kind of go now into the psychology of breathing and kind of, um, tapping into that side and, you know, what does that kind of mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great one. So I'm going to, um, just introduce, uh, so I, I, I trained under Dr. Belisa Branich who wrote the book, breathe and breathing for warriors and she is the founder of the breathing class. She's also um, a psychologist. So she is, she, she weaved in the psychology of breathing because as we, as we already kind of 
addressed or talked about, awareness is really the first step. And understanding why your breathing patterns, like you have already, you've already started that you, you, and I'm a gut, I'm a fellow gut sucker. <laughs> like you, that was my pattern that I developed. I thought, oh gosh, I need to keep that belly pulled in at all times. Cause that made you look thinner. And maybe I thought it was made me stronger. Well, that is one of the very common um, enemies of the breath is gut sucking. And it's, we live in a culture where that is very common. So like psychology of breathing is just that. It is really understanding how our culture, um, our environment, it could be pollution, all of those variables, how they affect our breathing pattern. Um, it's also very important to know that we are all born, every single one of us, uh, with optimal breathing habits. Babies do not even, they do not breathe through their mouth until they're, I think, three or five months old, there's a, they, they, they don't breathe enough unless they're, they have a cold, which is why we have the, the those nasal yeah, little, little freezes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because it's, it, it, so if you're a mom and you see your baby breathing through their mouth, gently close it. Um, because it's the habits, these habits that form, and it could be, uh, because the child has allergies or frequent colds and they become mouth breathers. It could be, um, the beliefs, um, I think of uh, even our, like our culture, like the Incredibles or Popeye with their tiny little waist, big puffy chest. And that, that sh that's like a sign of strength in our culture. Um, there's, there's posture, sitting. So all of those things are part of the psychology of breathing. It's also like we talked about poor cueing. You know, I, I don't like breathe in or breathe out because that people get confused by that cue. So I always, um, when I, when I work with children or anybody, I, I use my hands a lot. I, and I love the Hoberman sphere, the breathing ball, um, because that shows an expansive. So I'll say inhale, make your belly big, exhale, squeeze, make a small belly to really give kids that, that visual and that cue from early in life. Um, so the psychology of breathing is just that it's all of those components and um, it could be to a, a rib injury. Let's say you're, you, you, you broke a rib or you were in a car accident when you were young, then that might start um, a habit of guarding that area where you don't inhale and expand your belly. You, you, you tend to lean up to the, the upper chest breathing and upper chest breathing is I call it the backup breathing muscles, um, your neck and shoulder muscles. They're there. And if you've ever, you know, had a really hard workout or ran and you notice those breathing muscles will, will come into play and that's okay. In short bursts, that's what they're there for. What happens is people then sometimes don't go back to that healthy, low and slow diaphragmatic breath. So really having that awareness of, okay, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't need those backup breathing muscles anymore. I can now shift to a healthy, slow, optimal breathing style. Um, that is really the, the process is just recognizing when you're doing it and, and then consciously shifting into a more relaxed, calm breathing pattern. Because when you're breathing, and I think this is probably the, um, the golden nugget of this whole, my whole purpose, the breathing and stress connection is why we need to pay attention to how we're breathing because we can breathe in a way that will fuel the stress cycle 
but we also have the ability to breathe in a way that will put us into a relaxed rest and digest state. And that is breathing through the nose, slowing down our breath to under 14 breaths per minute, breathing low and slow using our diaphragm and um, extending our exhale. So those four breathing hacks are what will shift us from a stress state to a relaxed state on the spot in real time. And in fact, I don't know if you listen to Andrew Huberman, the Huberman lab, it's, um, it's an excellent, he's, he's a, a neurobiologist at Stanford and he studies breathing and vision and how it affects our, our, our body. And he says that the number one thing, the number one way to stop stress in real time is breathing, is through breathing, because it is, it is a direct access point to our nervous system and our brain. So my goal is to help people understand and learn what that looks like, how, because everybody can say when somebody's, let's say you have a little, a little one that's having a hard time, right? They're, they're in a full on alarm mode, right? When that happens, their thinking brain is shut off. They're not able to calm down when you tell them to calm down. It's, it's not possible. So that's where you have to use the body. It's called a bottom-up approach. Use the body to calm an agitated mind. And, that, and the fastest way to do that is through breathing. But the problem is when somebody says, take a, take a big breath, take a, take a big breath or take a deep breath or just breathe, right? We all know what to do it. But what happens when somebody tells you that? You go <gasps> angry. You inhale. My son yeah. Get, yeah, he gets angry with me. He's like, no. <laughs> yeah, you take a big inhale and then or you get you get they get angry. And when you inhale, your inhale actually speeds up your heart. It shifts you to a more anxious or alarm state, sympathetic. Exhaling is the key. So the ex Dr. Belisa would say the exhale is the underdog, folks. And the exhale is going to shift you into a more relaxed state. So, um, so an actionable, actionable tool when working with a child that's, um, having a hard time might be to say, Oh, let's, let's, let's blow out a candle, purse your lips and, and, and exhale. Um, or simply yourself model it, you know, that maybe doing a co-regulation. So, Oh, you know, I, I see that you're really upset and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to exhale and hopefully in time, the child will develop those tools to, to self-regulate and to self-soothe, um, which is really powerful. I, I think it's a powerful, that's why I call the breath a superpower and I teach you how to use it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say I've done that with my uh, six-year-olds and my husband's like, oh, will this work? And I was like, well, and it does. I mean, it does like he, my husband's usually is the one who's like, just calm down, just breathe deep. And so I'm the one who models, I'm like, that's not going to help him at all then he'll, he'll mm -hmm. get himself back under control. And we've worked on that since he was really little. I bought some breath work and I will say it does work. And, you know, just having those tools so we can kind of pull him out when we're not there, you know, mm -hmm. when he's at school and he needs to do that. So, um, right. I would love to kind of tap into this part of breath work and see what you say. Now this can be for adults or kiddos. So, uh, you know, in my yoga teacher training, we learned all sorts of pranayams and one of them is holding the breath. And so, you know, maybe mm -hmm. like four square, um, is that, so we also learned sometimes that's agitating to the Vata dosha and that can make people more anxious. So right. is that something that you find as well? Like should, who should, or should not hold the breath or, you know, when are times where we might want to avoid that? 
Yes, that's a really great question. And um, I love box breathing. I love holding the breath when it's done intentionally can have some really wonderful benefits. Um, when somebody is breathless, uh, it, when, if you find yourself out of breath a lot um, or breathing at a rate higher than 16 breaths per minute, you are a hyperventilator. That is another dysfunctional breathing pattern that's very, very, very common in our culture. Um, and what is what triggers that is your lack of tolerance to CO2, carbon dioxide. So people that are um, unable to hold their breath for longer than a few seconds have a very low tolerance to carbon dioxide. And that's where box breathing can be very beneficial. Now, I always caution. Now, with kids, I... I focus on, so this is getting into the biochemical part of breathing with the breath holding. Um, with children, I always start with the mechanics. I start with just using the right muscles because typically, often, if you, if you correct the mechanics, then the biochemistry will usually improve. Now, if it doesn't, like if you have a child with asthma, um, then breath holding exercises can be really beneficial. Um, mini breath holds breathing while taking steps. But that is something that I wouldn't advise to uh, like a classroom of children, because again, breath holding is a very, is tied to, um, that's a habitual stress breathing pattern. Kids that maybe have um, gone through some traumas. Um, when you think about a child in a state, uh, in a um, in a traumatic event, they don't always have the option to uh, fight or flee, right? It's, it's common for them to develop this, what was called like the fawn response where the freeze, mm -hmm. because that's the only option available. Well, with what a common breathing pattern associated with that is breath holding. So that can be very triggering for kids. Um, obviously not all kids, but some kids. So I always, I always teach uh, in a trauma informed lens where if you provide choice, because uh, if this doesn't feel good, then you either don't, you know, don't hold your breath or hold it for as long as is comfortable. Um, so I, uh, to answer your question about the box breathing, I think, I think it's an excellent breathing exercise. It's and in fact, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but the, um, the Navy SEALs use it before going into combat. And I always say, Hey, if it's good enough for the Navy SEAL, good enough for me. <laughs> um, because it, what happens is, is you, it's the counting. So the counting is a great anchor for your mind especially when you're doing something challenging box breathing is it would be a great for like a high schooler going into a test or my son plays baseball. I tell him as you, as you're walking up to the batting batting box, do some box breathing. Mm -hmm. it, it helps to settle it that holding your breath um, increases your carbon dioxide. It helps to calm your nervous system. And that counting is a great distraction um, pulling your mind out of whatever worries that might, you might be worried about. So um I would say box breathing is an excellent exercise, but used with caution, especially when, when working with children or people that might have um, some breath holding patterns. And that, that's, um, that's, that's my two cents on that. So it, it's pretty individual. Perfect. Yeah. Um, is there, you tapped a little bit about some of the, the cues and I would love to know, cause I know there's some yoga teachers that listen as well. What are some cues that you hear maybe in a yoga class or that you hear about breath work? Like you had said, you know, breathing into the belly. What are some ones that maybe we could tweak just to make it more um, accessible for everyone? Okay, that's a good one. So 
Um, as I mentioned, breathe in and breathe out are, are, are two that I don't, um, like, and I, I think really in, in, a, in yoga, in yoga, what I find to be really common is just people, the instructors often say, follow your breath, but they, it's not necessarily modeled or people don't really know what that means. Like follow your breath. I would love to, I would love in the yoga teacher training for the yoga teachers to really understand the mechanics of breathing, really understand the diaphragm. I think that would be a really good, I, I, cause when I went through my yoga teacher training, yes, we learned a lot of pranayamas, uh, alternate nostril breathing, all these wonderful, but I never understood why, why this one over this one. Mm. Um, so really understanding the intentionality behind each breathing exercise and how it will benefit and when to use it. So um, th there's, I think is back to the cueing. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of one that um, I don't know if it's not so much cueing, but I have seen a lot of uh, yoga teachers model a vertical breath. So they'll say at the end, like, like at the end, let's take a one final breath, and and there's this is big vertical breath using the accessory muscles. So I would love to to see more like horizontal diaphragmatic calming breath um so modeling is is important and cueing just an expansive breath so inhale feel the bottom of your lungs you know maybe cues that really uh highlight inhaling low feel the bottom of the container um, I like to use almost like the, like a, like a glass and you want to fill your lungs from bottom up and then sip up top. Mm -hmm. Um, I like those. Thank you. Cause I think that, I mean, that can be helpful because sometimes you get in, I mean, if you teach a lot of classes, you're like, you get, to, you just have your things that flow off the tongue and you know, you don't even think about them cause they just come naturally. And then you're like, Oh, yeah. take some of those. And, um, I like those. And yeah, that's something I try to do because we learned to like fill up your low belly, like a balloon, like feel that come up and then the ribs expand like an accordion. And then most people don't need trouble breathing into their chest because that seems to be default. So that right. one, you know, those, yeah. little, those little tips like that, I think the visuals, you know, because a lot of people are right. visual learners. Exactly. And what's, what's interesting about the diaphragm muscle, um, first of all, I don't think, I don't know if I mentioned this, but the diaphragm is a muscle. You don't breathe into your diaphragm. You breathe into your lungs. You use your diaphragm. And just like any muscle, it can get weak and it can get stuck. And so that's really what I teach is I teach, I get that diaphragm unstuck, moving the intercostal muscles are the muscles in between your ribs if those are tight and inflexible, because, you know, obviously, you know, moving the spine in all six directions every day is your, is going to be the best thing for your breathing muscles. And just like any other muscle, they can be weak and stiff, or they can be strong and flexible. So I teach you how to, so I would love to see yoga teachers really get people familiar with their, those, those intercostal muscles, feel them. I say, imagine I'll do a side belly breath. Imagine you have gills, breathe into that, into that side. Um, the diaphragm muscle doesn't have nerve, nerve fibers, like the other muscles in our body. So we don't feel it. We don't feel it when it gets fatigued or burnt out. So that's where usually visual visualizations, you know, having people 
feel underneath the ribs all the way around to their, their back, that that's where your diaphragm attaches. And it's this, it's expansive muscle. I call it, you know, your container is your abdominal thoracic area, right? Your ribs, your belly, your diaphragm is I, when you think of that as almost like a symphony, your diaphragm is the conductor. And if the conductor is out of sync, the whole body is going to be out of sync. You mentioned like digestive issues, um, lower back pain, all that movement should be happening naturally. And if you ever have watched a baby sleeping or a toddler breathing, it's rhythmic. Their bellies expand on the inhale, narrows on the exhale. It's through the nose. It's slow. That's what, or your dog, your mm -hmm. dog breathing dogs. We're the only species in the animal kingdom that messes up breathing. <laughs> Every animal is going to breathe optimally and that's the goal. And so really for yoga teachers out there, helping people conceptualize the diaphragm, know what it looks like, know how it moves, know how to open up that container, get, get those intercostal muscles flexible and um, strong. And then on the exhale, the exhale uses a whole different set of muscle groups. Your diaphragm does nothing on the exhale. It just recoils up and relaxes, yeah. but all your, ab, your abdominal muscles, that's what use that's Those are the muscles you use for the exhale. So I would, I love exhale pulsations where you, you exhale sharply and you, it's like you, you, you pull your belly button in with each, with each exhale towards your spine Kapalabha. and talk about it. Exactly. Exactly. So you, it's like a rubber band snapping and that's going to, that's going to strengthen your exhale muscles. And as we mentioned earlier, your exhale is really the underdog because a lot of people have weak exhale muscles because we don't use our, our core, um, as, as much as we should. <laughs> oh, I love that. <clears throat> well, I would love to know if people are like, okay, where can I connect with Stephanie? I know you have some workshops and then you have your, um, B buddy product. Is it on your website? People can get it. And where can they yeah. kind of find more information? Yes. Uh, so my website is balancingelephants.com and I do my, I do, I offer, um, in-person and, um, online workshops. I can customize it to any group. Um, really, really ideal groups are, are teachers, therapists, parents, church groups, um, really anybody though. Um, it learning how to breathe is an excellent, um, uh, tool for any workplace looking for some, some stress management, um, practices and learning how to, to calm yourself in the moment is, is a, is a wonderful tool. So I do in-person and online workshops and I do one-on-one -on -one coaching for uh, people that want more individualized, um, breath work, uh, to one thing I didn't mention is there is actually, uh, Dr. Belisa created this breathing, um, measurement this test called a breathing IQ. So she developed this test that's literally, and that's what, if you do a one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me, that's the first thing I do is test your breathing. And it literally can, it's a, it's a measurable functional test that can get you from, um, it's on a grading scale of like F, A, B, C, D, F. Most people start out at a D or an F with their, and you measure the expansion of your rib cage on the inhale and the narrowing on the exhale, then that is a really good indicator of how well your diaphragm is functioning. And then we work to strengthen that muscle and get you to an A so that you're breathing optimally. Um, so that's what a one-on-one -on -one 
coaching session would look like. And there's a lot of exercises to help um, increase that flexibility in your rib cage. And again, um, strengthen your exhale muscles. Um, and then that leads me to my product, the Bee Buddy, which is a multi-sensory breathing pillow to make breathing fun for kids. You know, it, it, my ultimate goal is to have kids learn this when they're young. Um, I always tell parents, you know, you have your kids breathe, brush their teeth every night before bed for your, their oral health. I would love to see kids belly breathing, not only for their um, respiratory health to build strong lungs, but also to help learn self-soothing, self-regulation techniques to use the breath to calm the nervous system and use the breath to help get your body ready for rest um, using the bee buddy or any stuffed animal. Um, it doesn't have to be the bee buddy. It's just the practice. So when your child then is in an, an agitated state, they have those tools built in that they have learned to, to calm themselves. And so you can get the Bee Buddy on my website. Um, and for your listeners, I have a, I created a um, coupon call. Uh, the coupon is podcast 20. And that will give you 20% off your entire order. And I do offer free shipping to the US. So I have six characters um, that you can check out and all fun, fun colors and um, they have feathery hair, so we can you can practice your long exhales and and uh, learn those tools early in life. Love that! I just saw an Instagram post from you yesterday. I was like, oh my gosh, these are so cute! So I was thank planning you. on getting some for my nieces and nephews and my son. So thank you; those are adorable. Uh, so you. I just have one final question for you. I always like to finish with a weekly challenge, and when I have a guest on, I like to have you throw out a challenge for the listeners, um, something that they can kind of work on this week. So, what would you like that challenge to be? Well, I will, I will say the step one to any breathwork practice is awareness. So my challenge is to, I, I use the, the acronym stop and bop. Um, and that is, I'm going to challenge you to stop and bop at least once a day for one week and stop is gets your body ready for a healthy breath. S stands for shoulders, relax. T stands for tummy soft. Let that belly go. O stands for open and close the mouth. That's two parts because one is to release the jaw. Two is to encourage a nasal breath. And P is posture tall. So that gets the body ready for a healthy breath. And BOP is breathe on purpose. So once you stop, get the body ready, then breathe on purpose. And that could look like a simple, um, I love resonance breathing or coherent breathing where you inhale and exhale at a rate of 5.5 to six breaths per minute that has proven to increase your heart rate variability and calm your nervous system faster than really anything. So you inhale for maybe four seconds, exhale for six if you wanna calm your uh, shift down to a calmer state, or you could simply inhale and exhale five, inhale for five and exhale for five, or inhale for six and exhale for six. But slowing the breath through the nose, low and slow, um, extending the exhale is, is a really great way to just stop and reset throughout the day. Perfect. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on. I mean, I loved, loved all of the information that you gave us. It's so helpful. So thank you for all of that, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. Yeah. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Mm -hmm.